0: The Avengers were supposed to be different than you. Anybody remember when I carried a nuke through a wormhole?
1: No, it's never come up. Save no, New York? Never heard that. Recall that? A hostile alien army came charging through a hole in space. We're standing 300 feet below it. We're the Avengers. We can bust arms
0: dealers all the live long day, but that up there, that's, that's the end game. How were you guys planning on beating that together? We'll lose. And we'll do that together too.
1: Hello and welcome to the Weekly Reel Podcast. My name is Jeremy. And my name is Ken. And today we're going to be talking about the next three movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We're going to be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Avengers Age of Ultron, and Ant-Man. So if you missed any of the other MCU rewatch movies, go check out some of our other episodes. Uh, But before we get into some of those, the next three movies, we're going to be talking about some movie news. Uh, I guess slight spoilers for The Mandalorian Season 2. So if you don't want to know, skip a little bit ahead, I guess. Skip a little ahead uh, for these slight spoilers. Uh, so there are rumors that a spin-off Boba Fett series could happen. Because as we saw, Ken, at the end of the first episode of Mandalorian Season 2, uh, Tamora Morrison as Boba Fett supposedly shows up. And he just walks off off screen and then it's credits. So what do you think about a spin-off Boba Fett series happening? You know what? Uh, I would be on board, uh, but with one caveat,
0: uh, you know what? Because obviously the Mandalorian has been such a good hit. I know they, I think I read somewhere that season three hasn't technically been greenlit yet, but I feel like it's only a matter of time before it does. Um, and you know to to have like two ongoing series on disney plus about two different mandalorians would be a little bit much but the reason why i would be on board with it is because boba fett is such a um just a cult hero and um i feel like if they do it well and um then i feel like it would be a good thing and here's my one caveat where i where i personally would be on board and that's if they just made it made it a mini series um and they just have it basically kind of like the Watchmen, where they have like a story arc for seat for one season you know have it where it ends you know it could end after one season and you know it could just be a mini series but have it open-ended enough where uh to a possibility of a season two if they are able to do really good quality writing with it and so that's pretty much where I'm at in terms of a Bo- Boba Fett series.
1: That's a good idea. Cause I feel like there's a lot of like networks and a lot of other streaming services that have like limited series, right. Where mm-hmm. they do 10 episodes or something like that. And then, and then decide if they want a season two, but it's like those 10 episodes could finish after that if they really wanted to. Right.
0: And, and I feel like if they can't come up with a good follow-up season, you know, like a season two Boba Fett, then they won't have to rush it. They don't have to, like, feel like they need to do it. You know, they could take the time to actually make it a really good season. And if they can't come up with something, at least, you know, the, the story arc finished for season one.
1: Mm-hmm, exactly. I would, like, for me, if, I, if a Boba Fett series were to happen, I would definitely want to see more, like, bounty hunter stuff. For mm-hmm. sure, I, I think with Boba Fett, you need to go a little bit darker because the Mandalorian is actually it just, I don't think it's that dark. It's pretty uh, light so far, and I feel like with Boba Fett, just the way the character is, I feel like you got to go, you got to go darker than the Mandalorian. Uh, I would love to see like if they had more backstory on Boba Fett. Even if the, what would be cool, ooh, is if they had flashbacks with Jango Fett. Cause you know it's the same guy, yeah, and right. technically you wouldn't even have to have his face. You can just have his helmet, and then he just does the voice for Django Fett Also, so yeah, if they did flashbacks, they just need Tam- Tamora Morrison to voice it over, and it'll all be good. So I think that would be that would be pretty cool,
0: right? Because I mean, there's like a um, there's a period of time after jango fett dies you know and obviously boba fett's still a kid you can have a little bit of that like kind of like that flashback uh story like uh like i guess after episode two attack of the clones and then also you can also have like an ongoing storyline of what happened after uh basically return of the jedi um after the whole sarlacc pit thing
1: Mm -hmm. i know some star wars fans are going to be pissed at me if i don't mention this because Uh, They do go into some backstory of Boba Fett as a kid in Star Wars, the Clone Wars, but it would be cool if they did at least some of it in live action. That's all all I'm going to say.
0: I agree. I agree. And obviously I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm on board. (laughs) I'm on board for sure.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully that happens and hopefully the rest of Mandalorian season two is good. So next we're going to be doing our podcast ritual. And if you guys don't know what it is, Uh, me and Ken are going to share one notable movie or TV show that we watched within the last week. So, uh, Ken, uh, did you watch anything pretty cool this week? Yes, I did. I got two
0: words for you, and it's not like DX. (laughs) 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 The two words uh, that I want to share with you is Dave Chappelle. And it started uh, basically the SNL episode... Uh, After election week, what became election week, um, he ended up hosting SNL and they did the same thing in 2016 where he hosted that SNL after that election. And I'm sure Lorne Michaels wanted to do the same thing and capture that whole event again uh, this past week. And so um, it it was so good. His monologue was on point. It was basically 16 minutes of uncensored Dave Chappelle thought-provoking comedy. Um, And so you definitely got to watch that monologue. Uh, The first sketch that he was actually in uh, where he basically plays the Allstate guy is so hilarious. I I don't know if you saw it. But I don't even want to spoil it. It's just so good. Uh, did, were you able to catch any of the uh, SNL clips or just the episode in general? No, I haven't. You should definitely share it with me afterwards. I will definitely do that because you know what? Both can be found on YouTube. So I'll I'll share the YouTube links with you. Uh, the again, the monologue is what sixteen minutes, give or take, and then the uh, the sketch itself is is really short. It's like
1: I don't know five minutes of that, but it's it's so funny. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I'm totally down because this this last. This past week, I guess, with the whole election, has been pretty crazy. It's been yeah, very, I know, because
0: you you just get inundated by all of the news, and you know, rightfully so. It's it's a huge, huge thing, um, obviously, because you know, it's going to be the next for the next four years, at least. You know, mm-hmm. for but, sure. Um, but also, I wanted to highlight because um, I mean, that was just what one little section. It, since it was Dave Chappelle, um, Netflix actually just recently released a Netflix special called Dave Chappelle, the Kennedy Center Mark Twain prize for American humor. And so as a huge Dave Chappelle fan, it was basically like a roast because they were giving him an award, but then there was like all these celebrities and, you know, artists and everything that were there for him. And it was, it was a combination roast, and combination tribute for all the work that he has done um, over his career and obviously uh, for society and everything. And so uh, I I liked that I enjoyed it, but Jeremy, the reason why I mentioned Dave Chappelle is because as of right now on Netflix and HBO go, I'm sorry, HBO max, I should say Chappelle show is on both streaming services and it's only two plus seasons. And it's one of my favorite shows of all time. And you got to watch it. If you haven't
1: watched it, you have to watch it. Yeah. Cause I know you've definitely recommended to people like all the time. So they'll definitely like try to fit that in at some point. It's a quick watch. It's two, uh, it's two
0: full seasons. It's like 12 or 13 episodes for each season, and it's 30 minutes long. <laughs> You're, you can go real quick, and it's mm. timeless. And it's still relevant, even though it aired in 03, 04, and a little bit of
1: 05. Well, you'll see. Dude, all right. That sounds good. Uh, for me, because you were talking about Netflix, and I know we're not sponsored by Netflix, but I also watched something on Netflix that just showed up this week. It's uh, Mile 22, starring Mark Wahlberg. Ooh. Uh yeah it was a bit of an like action movie. I was like I'm feeling a little bit of action, a little bit of a Mark Wahlberg right now. <laughs> uh it was an okay movie. Yeah the the editing was uh sometimes too choppy. It was but it was a pretty interesting concept but the execution was a little uh a little bit underwhelming and the ending there's just a lot happening in that movie. Uh so it, I, I liked it. It was okay, but uh, it was one of those movies where it's like okay, you just need some something to fill the action void, and hmm. it did it for me. But I didn't f- leave fully satisfied. I don't feel like. Oh, when did Mile Twenty Two come out? Uh, I think twenty eighteen. Yeah, it had a it had a pretty good cast. I think Ronda Rousey was in it. Uh, oh, <laughs> so like, but honestly she didn't do much in the movie. <laughs> if, if I'm spoiling anything, like, honestly, I don't think you should, it, it's not really, I'm not giving a hard recommend on this. So I, it's one of those movies that eh, you, you could just skip, I think. Okay. Uh, but if you, if you see it and you're genuinely interested, it's like, yeah, you give it a chance, but I'm not be like, Hey, Ken watch mile 22 with Mark Wahlberg. It's so good. <laughs> you know what though? Like, uh,
0: you know, I, did watch a Mark Wahlberg movie recently. Um, actually this past week also, um, I want, I rewatched the departed and he's so good in that. So, um, I think we teased it last week when we were talking about, uh, Leo and catch me if you can, but man, I think we need to do a departed episode next
1: season for sure. Mm -hmm. Next season. The, the, yeah, the departed, I got, I definitely got to watch that. I forgot Mark Wahlberg's in it. Uh, Just know that Matt, because people always get Matt Damon and Mark Wahlberg confused, and they're both in that movie. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, they play
0: two very different characters, and that's all I'll say.
1: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I look forward to that for sure. Uh, Well, last week, like you said, we did talk about Catch Me If You Can, and we did run uh, a poll on our social medias, on our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, Where can they find us? What's our little tag on those? Uh, social media, scan it's uh at weekly real and uh we'll have the spelling in the episode notes yeah so there are polls every tuesday uh just to, if you want to participate in those everyone who's listening so ken what was our poll this that we ran this last week yes yeah, so uh this past week for catch me if you can we ran a poll
0: asking the audience you guys the audience what is your favorite leonardo dicaprio movie role and so we did put three choices out there, but we left it open-ended enough where you could just write in your vote. And so the three that we uh, put as choices is uh, obviously Frank Abagnale, uh, since we did talk about Catch Me If You Can last week. Um, the other two choices were Dominic Cobb in, uh, from his role in Inception and Jack Dawson from Titanic. Um, and so the winner actually was a write-in vote. At 30% of the vote, Jordan Belfort, your choice for um, favorite Leo role. I know. Uh, from Wolf of Wall Street. So, uh, Jordan Belfort won our poll. Uh, we actually had uh, uh, several write in votes, including, well, my favorite, Billy Costigan, uh, Calvin Candy from Django Unchained, and Danny Archer from uh, Blood Diamond. And so, we had a couple of those write in votes. Uh, for this past week so uh,
1: pretty cool to to get that audience participation i totally forgot about him in django and chain but that's a good good catch right there because he plays such a different character in that movie very like non leo <laughs> type <of> character <laughs> yeah. he's just totally out there but he was so good in that too i'm glad I, i'm glad people are mentioning some good roles I agree. I agree.
0: This one was a really good poll. And I'm just glad that uh, that our audience was able to share basically the uh, versatility of Leonardo DiCaprio as an actor because he plays uh, so many different kind of roles.
1: Yeah, for sure. So uh, just to reiterate, if you guys want to participate in our episode related polls, uh, they will be on our Twitter, Instagram and Facebook every Tuesday. Uh, so this week we're going to be talking about the three MCU movies, the next three on our list, which is Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers: Age of Ultron, and Ant-Man. So, Ken, uh, I just want to ask you some like some of your quick thoughts on on some of these movies, man. Uh, want to start off with Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah, let's do it. Since uh, that's the
0: the next one chronologically, uh, I will say this: um, I did catch all three films again in the theaters. If I remember correctly, I did watch. I think all of them. I, I remember I watched Ant Man with you for sure, um, <laughs> and I, I can't remember if we watched all of them or if I watched all of them on opening weekend. But uh, to answer your question about Guardians, honestly, uh, you know, just watching the trailer, I really didn't have any expectations going in i didn't really know i wasn't really familiar with any of the guardians of the galaxy uh but i'm glad i did watch it because i left the theater loving every minute of that film it was so good it was so good
1: yeah dude for me guardians literally the the like you said i had no idea who the guardians of the galaxy were and just like that opening scene where it's like star lord man it's like who (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly like reflected when i watched the trailer i was like who are these guys oh this is marvel uh and like like you after watching the movie i was like man this is that was really good it was um it was different and it was like something refreshing that the mcu i think really needed at that point in time just something to like kind of carry it into the like the next phase i agree Uh, Because after that, we got Age of Ultron. Uh, So, how'd you feel, I guess, initially when you first saw Age of Ultron? Well, I mean, coming off of
0: uh, Avengers, the Avengers, I should say, the 2012 version, um, basically that was my starting point in terms of being totally immersed with the uh, MCU as a whole. You know, just being invested, it's like, okay, I'm going to watch every MCU release basically after that. And so, You know, we were watching pretty much all of MCU's phase two. And, you know, we watched, uh, what was it? Iron Man three, Thor, the dark. Well, but, you know, we still got to revisit some of those characters. Then we got, especially coming off of um, Captain America, the winter soldier. I was just like really pumped to see another team up movie. And so, especially coming off guardians of the galaxy, I had so much, expect, I had high expectations going, and probably unfair um, to Age of Ultron. And so I was pumped in the beginning. You know, they had a good opener and everything. But as the movie just went on, if I remember correctly, I just remember just leaving the theater kind of like tired and mainly disappointed. It was just like a, eh, I I felt like it could have been better.
1: I was underwhelmed by the film. Hmm, interesting. Oh man, I might have kind of the opposite reaction from you actually. Uh when I first watched it, I think I enjoyed it. I uh there were definitely some things I didn't like right off the bat. Like I think I was pretty underwhelmed by Ultron cuz it was the Age of Ultron, but then it was like Two Days of Ultron. <laughs> um but I think with some aspects of the movie like um, some of the slower mo- moments of the movie where you get to like, learn more about the Avengers, like the Avengers uh, tower party and mm-hmm. the farmhouse. I feel like a lot of people didn't really like, like that slower pace in a big block blockbuster movie. And I think that actually really works for me. It's like one of those, like I think that's kind of my controversial, uh, I, I guess perspective. I don't know. I don't know if we're uh, the same way or not, Uh, but I know this for sure that I still to this day that I'm like, okay, this is something I don't like Uh, was that it was guilty of setting up future movies (laughs) for sure. Oh, for Uh, sure. But, but it does age well because of how good the (laughs) future, the future movies were that it it was setting up. (laughs) Yeah. It was definitely a table setter. Uh, I think I appreciate it more,
0: especially this uh, latest rewatch, because you know we got to see where the quote unquote end game was. Uh, you know, in that regard, and so I did like Age of Ultron better this time around than I did initially. Uh, but to kind of comment on your feeling, your initial feelings of Age of Ultron, actually, those two parts that you did mention—the farmhouse, the Barton farmhouse, and and, and the party. Uh, at Avengers Tower those were two parts that I really did like this is this may be a hot take but I actually didn't like a a lot of the action in Avengers I've just felt like it was all over the map and so I think that's why I don't know it just didn't seem seem coherent it did like I felt like the action didn't have enough um, parts where it lets the audience breathe I didn't like that pacing so that's, that's why I didn't like each of Ultron. I love the the talking parts and the character building and everything.
1: Yeah, because I think last time um, that we talked about The Avengers 2012, you know, they had the aliens, the Chitauri, and they were like cannon fodder, right? Where you're just killing endless amounts of them. And then you kind of have that same thing with Ultron. And I think by that point with Ultron, it is kind of getting a little bit old. Uh, but one thing you did mention it is the characterizations of the characters are so much better in Age of Ultron than the Avengers. Oh my God! Yes, <laughs> especially Cap. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like I'm like oh, okay, they're they're all acting like reasonable humans, <laughs> you know, like as reasonable people at least. Uh, compared to the first Avengers, where they're kind of like caricatures, like we said from last episode. Uh, where they're just all heightened cartoony versions of themselves and yeah so when I think that mostly attributed to like you said the party and the the farmhouse kind of brings them down to down to earth I think
0: I agree completely agree it's funny that you mentioned the reason why you liked it actually those are the same reasons why I liked it as well
1: (laughs) (laughs) I have to say just a to end our little quick discussion on Age of Ultron, I did like it initially, but I guess minus some of the Ultron stuff. And then it did go down a bit because I'm like, ah, oh, it's not it's not as good. And then after uh, Infinity War and Endgame, that's when it kind of went back up again. Just because those two movies, I guess Civil War, Infinity War, and Endgame really elevate this movie, I think.
0: I agree cuz you didn't you don't appreciate all the breadcrumbs that um that were dropped in Age of Ultron until you got the payoff later on.
1: Yeah, cuz that's like how many years later? <laughs> like 5 years later.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, oh, rewatching Ant-Man this time. I had a good time, but uh how did you feel about Ant-Man initially?
0: ant-man um uh, it's actually similar to uh guardians actually i didn't have any expectations i didn't really know too much of it i remember uh when we first watched it uh i think it was on a saturday night uh, like the first scene when they de-aged michael douglas i was like oh my goodness (laughs) michael douglas a young michael douglas in san francisco i just thought it was pretty funny uh because he used to be in that tv show streets of san francisco (laughs) it's that's pretty funny uh but um I left the theater pleasantly surprised at how entertaining it was. Uh, The characters were were likable. I thought that Scott Lang uh, or Paul Rudd uh, playing Scott Lang was really good. And um, yeah, I just was completely entertained by the film and I was just pleasantly surprised.
1: Yeah. Like, honestly, I was actually in, well, I liked Ant-Man when I first saw it, but I was initially disappointed that, Scott Lang was Ant-Man. And and instead of Hank Pym cuz I guess I had a little bit of background on Ant-Man and mm-hmm. I was more familiar with the Hank Pym version of Ant-Man. So when uh going into the movie I'm like, "Oh shoot, it's the Scott Lang version." Uh and knowing that the Scott Lang version I guess is like more comedic and you know, obviously we got Paul Rudd in there. Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Ah, I don't know, Do, Will I like Scott Lang?" And I think it's just I guess Paul Rudd was so likable to the point that He made me like Scott Lang. (laughs) Right. You know, uh, I think Hank Pym, that character has a little bit of a darker past, which is crazy to say with like the whole Ant-Man idea. Uh, Then Scott Lang. Scott Lang is definitely more more Disney, (laughs) for sure. Right. Uh, You know, it's funny. You mentioned like Hank Pym. I didn't realize
0: it until I was doing the research for this podcast episode of what Hank Pym's history was as Ant-Man, I was like, ooh, yeah, I don't know if that would be too Disney. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's some stuff that he does. He's <laughs> oh uh, oh, in very yeah. Disney.
0: I can definitely see why they went this route for sure.
1: <laughs> That's why I was curious though, man, because I was like, okay, the Hank Pym and uh what from what I was familiar with, I'm like, okay, uh like maybe they'll just take that part out, <laughs> you know? Or how are they gonna <laughs> handle that part? Uh, Well,
0: they just completely avoided it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And they, yeah, they still completely avoided it in the sequel, but we'll get to that when we get to Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, But yeah, let's go into our first uh, main topic, which is the best moments from each film. Uh, Do you have some really good moments in Guardians of the Galaxy?
0: I definitely do. It was was actually pretty hard to kind of narrow it down because I feel like uh, I just enjoyed pretty much the whole movie. And so it was really hard kind of narrowing it down just because I know we have, you know, we try to limit it Because we, we, I feel like we could dedicate like a full episode to guardians of the galaxy. But to answer your question, uh, the first moment that I did love was the, we are Groot" scene. I mean, because in the beginning of the film, obviously, you know, they're coming from different paths. They're just, um, you know, they're basically a band of misfits. You know, they there's something wrong with each one of them. They all have their own personal defects. But by the end of the film, especially during that We Are Groot scene, you know that they are there for each other. You know, they are an actual team. And it just kind of comes together pretty organically. And, you know, obviously you feel bad because, you know, Groot's trying to sacrifice uh, itself because obviously he's not a guy or girl trying to sacrifice itself for the uh, you know to save the group obviously everyone's in danger um in that ship and so for us to i don't know i kind of got the feels you know obviously throughout the whole movie rocket's just you know just spitting off crude one-liners one after the other but man i felt so bad for rocket because you know he's gonna lose his best friend and you know he's crying he's like no don't do this and i was like oh the feels man Mm -hmm. such a
1: good scene dude if i'm yeah i am sad that they killed groot off in this because you know when they go with like baby groot and teenage groot later on i still don't like them as much as uh original groot what really (laughs) yeah honestly for me I think we're gonna have
0: to uh we're gonna have to disagree on uh volume two whenever we do that episode. Oh man,
1: I think that was one thing. I'm like, eh, really baby Groot? I don't know. It's like another <laughs> disappointing thing for me in volume two. No, <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait until uh
0: we talk about volume two then.
1: Yeah, that's gonna be an interesting one.
0: I agree. Uh, um the other thing that I actually wanted to mention, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off for uh for Guardians. The thing that I also wanted to highlight was uh, Awesome Mix Volume 1 and obviously the, re- the reveal for Awesome Mix Volume 2. I just felt like all the songs that were used in this film in conjunction with Peter Quill's Walkman was just a stroke of genius by James Gunn. I just felt like the song selections were obviously chosen for what Peter Quill was kind of going through what, you know, some of these emotions throughout the film and you know i felt like each song did a great job of evoking specific memories for peter especially in the beginning you know when he's going through that whole thing with his mom um i mean that soundtrack was so good that immediately after watching this film i ended up following the playlist on spotify cuz i just started listening to it on repeat right after so um yeah awesome mix volume 1 and 2
1: yeah is it just me or is it kind of weird that his mom's last gift to him is a (laughs) mixtape yeah well
0: that just shows how important music is uh to the quill family you know and in i don't know like i sometimes feel i for me with music just kind of go off on a random tangent i assume i sometimes associate certain songs with different memories and i felt like that's what you know um wait what's peter's mom's name again i forgot
1: uh Martha? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I don't know. I forgot.
0: Oh shoot. You know what? Uh Peter's mom. We'll just go with Peter's mom. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure it out on the on in the sequel.
0: Yeah. Actually, you know what? While uh you share your uh best moments, you know, I'm gonna look it up.
1: All right, cool. Uh my first moment that I wanted to highlight was the standing in a circle. scene (laughs) when they when they are all like you know they're they're really like down on themselves and then they all start standing up one by one like i'm with you coil and all that stuff and then rocket's like yo now we're all standing a bunch of idiots in a circle (laughs) i was dying in theaters watching it for the first time but just the team dynamic throughout this whole movie because in the beginning you know they're all just fighting each other uh, and by the end of the movie you really feel like they're a team and but and you care about each single one because sometimes in team movies like oh I only care about the leader and his and his girlfriend or whatever like I don't know fast and furious <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh yeah but this definitely worked the whole team dynamic that they had and like you said the the music does kick that all up a notch also the second moment I want to highlight was the footloose story (laughs) (laughs) because this movie came out uh, 2014 right yeah and I think I watched the original footloose around that time maybe 2013 for the first time so I got the reference (laughs) you know and I was I was dying because I love footloose also (laughs) Right. And so when he brings that up for the first time and he's like, and there's this, uh, this guy, Kevin Bacon. <laughs> he and he's talking about it. how they dance to save the yeah. universe or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, it, it, it didn't really happen like that, but you know, uh, it's still a good movie. And I thought those were definitely some highlights from that movie. Cause I, I love footloose also. I feel like that's a, would it be a guilty pleasure? I don't know.
0: I, I think it's kind of a guilty pleasure, but it's such a uh, it's such a cult classic that um, I could see it not. It's like, oh, dude, you don't love Footloose? It, it could be like Peter Parker. It's like, it never was.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it never was the still, greatest movie. It's still the greatest movie of all time? <laughs> <It> never was. <laughs> it's like off screen, too. <laughs> oh, so
0: hilarious. Oh, by the way, I looked it up. It is uh, Meredith Quill.
1: Meredith, okay. Still pretty close to Martha. Watch out, Batman. (laughs) Martha, why'd you say your name? It's like, no, I said Meredith. (laughs) (laughs) All right, with uh, Avengers Age of Ultron, though, uh, I thought some of the best moments in Age of Ultron, I guess, for me, the first one would be setting up the conflict between Tony and Steve. uh, Just throughout the whole movie, I think especially when you know Cap rips that log right in front of him when they're having that heated discussion at the farmhouse. I'm like, ooh, this is it. They're really setting up civil war. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you
0: know what? You're right. You know that. And then remember the part in the right before Vision gets created in the cradle, like in front of the cradle, and he's and he throws the vibranium shield and it
1: hits like four different parts or whatever, and it basically breaks the whole thing. Yeah, dude. I was like, oh shoot, they're they're going down right now. Shoot. But yeah, they obviously they don't full out fight until Civil War, mm-hmm. and ooh, when we get to that movie, I feel like there's gonna be some debate there, <laughs> you know, yeah. between us.
0: Yes, I can't wait actually.
1: Uh, the second thing I wanted to highlight in Age of Ultron was the the Hawkeye stuff. I think for me, I like Hawkeye, and I think. I think that solidified this in this movie because he actually got more screen time. He wasn't mind controlled and he actually acknowledged like mind control. He did that before and all that stuff. Right. And you actually get some backstory with him in the farmhouse and all that stuff. Uh, I was okay. I was a little bit disappointed that he had like a family already Mm -hmm. uh, because I guess I'll I'll definitely go into some of that stuff later on. Uh, But I did enjoy his, he got a little bit more characterization in this movie. His banter with Quicksilver, uh, Pietro is, I was dying and, uh, Pietro, you know, died. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Actually, I'll get to that in just a little
0: bit, but yeah, for all the shit that I give, uh, Hawkeye for being basically, you know, how they talk about the strongest Avenger, uh, <laughs> that was my Thor impression. Uh, obviously a lot of people think that Hawkeye is the weakest one, but I agree with what you're saying. And you know what? I wanted to highlight, I will, highlight something of Hawkeye's a little bit later on in this episode.
1: All right, cool. But yeah, that Hawkeye stuff. And I, oh, I really thought when this movie came out, I thought he was going to die. I'm like, Hawkeye's dying in this movie (laughs) for sure. Everyone's like ragging on him. Uh, They're going to kill him off. And then when he's, during the movie, when he's getting more screen time, I'm like, oh, it's over. He's dead for sure. <laughs> uh, and then they have that fake out. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, know. shoot, he survived.
0: You know, they hella faked this out because I was like, yeah, I thought he was dead meat for sure in the theater.
1: Mm-hmm. I think they knew and they played with our emotions that way. Freaking Joss Whedon. <laughs> <laughs> How about you?
0: Uh, well, the first thing uh, that I wanted to highlight as a best moment for me, uh, for Age of Ultron, was that whole uh, Cap versus Ultron chase sequence? Um, it was pretty cool to be able to see Cap actually get some action and not like have trouble with just two random henchmen like he did in the Avengers. <laughs> um, he was actually holding his own against uh, Ultron this time. And while they were fighting, I just thought that that one cool shot of Natasha coming down from the Quinjet. Um, I think they featured it on the Age of Ultron. Uh, the trailer was when she comes down, um, off of that Quinjet on the uh while she's on her motorcycle and she's driving through uh traffic in Seoul, Korea, and I just thought it was pretty cool. And then you know just you know the having the Maximoff twins, you know, kind of turning on Ultron. So you you obviously saw that little bit of conflict when uh, Wanda saw what Ultron ultimately wanted to do. And so you got to see the actual turning, you know, like I'm a huge wrestling fan from well before when it was actually good. And to see them turn on Ultron, I was like, ah, that's pretty cool. Oh, they just did a, like a quick uh, face turn. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Cause they went, they were heel and then they went face. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Uh, so I thought it was pretty cool. It was like, Oh, they went to the ring. Who are they going to go after? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they were supporting uh cat for sure. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then that one cool shot of uh, Natasha, just basically launching that cradle from the, the back of the truck into the Quinjet was actually a pretty cool scene as well. So, um, yeah, that whole chase sequence was pretty elaborate and I thought that uh, worked uh, for me. Uh, the yeah. other thing that I really wanted to highlight and you actually mentioned it earlier when we were talking about our uh, general uh, I guess, experiences with each of the films I really did love that party scene at Avengers Tower. Um, I just thought it was a pretty cool, fun uh, atmosphere because you got to see all of quote unquote Earth's mightiest heroes just kind of just you know just re- dressed in regular clothes they're playing billiards they're just you know just mingling they're having drinks and you know they're just having a good time you know like stuff that you would do like at a at a bar now you know well not now but you know like when it, things are back to normal. <laughs> so yeah. you know you just got to see them hanging out and if I don't know correct me if I'm wrong is this the only scene
1: like this in all of the MCU? It might be because, I mean, they're all just having fun all together. I think the closest thing maybe is like in Civil War when they actually get the Sokovia Accord and they're all talking about it. That might be the closest thing where they're all in like the same room or possibly, I guess, maybe Avengers also like Endgame where they're discussing the plan. But there is nothing truly like when they're just like happy. (laughs) <laughs> right, you know they're actually
0: at a party. They're cutting loose. Uh, I love I love that part where I think it's underrated when Maria Hill was like, "Where are all the ladies up in here?" When they were talking about Pepper and um and uh, Jane. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I just love the whole like you know them like letting their hair down and and just kind of just hanging out and just shooting the shit, you know.
1: Yeah, and we got to talk about when they were doing the whole Mjolnir picking up contest.
0: Yes, that was so good. I just thought, obviously, that's the highlight of that. Uh, basically, the culmination of that scene. I just thought yeah.
1: that was so funny. And yeah, that was such a good scene, especially when um, Rhodey's like, come on, man, represent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. They both got
0: their, like, kind of their own, what, war, war Machine and Iron Man gauntlet or whatever.
1: Yeah. Shoot, that was good. And, you know, Cap, I guess, re- uh, referencing uh, Endgame a little bit. He kind of pushes it a little bit, lifts gets it to lift a little bit. Scare scare Thor. Oh, just just a bit.
0: Here's my theory on that though. I felt like he knew he could move it, but to kind of spare Thor's feelings or whatever, he actually pretended that he couldn't lift it.
1: Maybe. I think so, like it, it there's definitely some validity to that because he he tries and it moves a little bit and then he lets go and then he tries again.
0: Yeah, because he's all like, "Oh, oh, I guess," you know. He was kind of playing it off like kind of casually, and then remember in Endgame, and we'll obviously get to it when we talk about Endgame. Thor was like, oh, "I knew it."
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was dying. Yeah, I think there's they definitely hinted at that, and Thor probably knew too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He's, oh, he's sure. not that dumb. <laughs> yeah, it, it,
0: I just love his facial expressions though. When when it did kind of move it, he was like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah."
1: That was good. Uh, but let's transition a little bit to Ant-Man. I think it might be, maybe it's underrated or it just might be rated well. I don't know. Uh, but Ken, what did you think of Ant-Man? What were some of the best moments in Ant-Man? Well, some of my favorite moments from
0: Ant-Man. Uh, one, the first one, obviously, got to mention Luis's stories. They're all just hilarious, just the way they film it, uh, just like his charisma, uh, throughout the film, I just loved how each story was shot by you know just obviously him telling the story in just some random way, but then like all the characters actually mouthing the words. I just thought that was very creative and funny. Uh, the second thing that I wanted to highlight was the uh, the Thomas the Train battle. I just thought that was very creative again um, because you know like I I did get throughout the Ant Man film, I I got Honey I Shrunk the Kids vibes uh especially you know obviously with the huge ant in each of the films um i just thought it was pretty fun funny to you know with that whole battle sequence in on that tabletop and uh i just like that part where darren cross is like oh no i'm gonna get run over by the the by the train or whatever and obviously it hits him but then it just gets derailed because it's just a toy
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) Oh, one thing I wanted to point out on that scene. Uh, remember when the uh, the ant becomes big and then runs out the door? Yes. And then that one cop is like, ooh, that's a messed up dog. <laughs> that's a messed up looking dog. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: right. That was a good one-liner. Uh,
1: anything else from Man Oh, no, nope. that's it. Uh, how about you? Uh, yeah, because we definitely have to talk about Luis. Yeah, for sure. I mentioned, because I think everyone was cracking up the first time when it happened and then when it happens again at the end of the movie I think the whole audience is just cracking up where you can't really hear what's going on and everyone's just dying
0: oh no I agree that was actually one of the things that uh, I was looking forward to obviously uh, in Ant-Man versus the Wasp and we'll obviously get to that when we talk about that movie but in that Ant-Man and the Wasp uh, like the theater dude when Luis told his story there everyone was like oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were hyped for for sure because of his stories
1: from uh Ant-Man. Yeah. So some of my favorite moments were uh I think the tr- the the montage training to be Ant-Man. Yeah. I think that was a good good little montage over there. Uh and I, I guess I want to highlight I guess a little bit of the beginning of the movie where he breaks into Hank Pym's house. I think oh, it kind of shows how how capable uh Scott Lang is even without the ant-man suit. Like he is smart. I kind of forgot how smart he was. Mm-hmm. Uh and then he was actually able to like break open that safe and all that stuff. So he's actually capable and skilled. Uh but I don't think they have really showed it too much after this movie. Hopefully they if when they make the third movie they well, do a little bit again. They they did have him be the catalyst
0: of like the the time heist, you know, at least with the idea, um, in Endgame, game. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because it was pretty cool. Like not only did he try, you know, he was able to, uh, come up with a way to get past that fingerprint scanner, but just to break into the safe, uh, using the nitrogen, like the liquid nitrogen or whatever it was. I just thought it was very cool the way he did it and the way they actually filmed that
1: part. Yeah. I think that definitely, Made me uh, like Scott Lang the character a little bit more. Uh, our next topic uh, was something that you actually thought of, Ken, and I th- thought this was a really cool question: was who would win hand to hand combat between Black Widow, Gamora, Nebula, and the Wasp? I'm really like I don't know I don't really know who to choose, so I'm curious to know who you chose.
0: Well, quickly uh, the. The way I kind of figured this out was I kind of broke it up into different brackets, and so I felt like Gamora. Gamora was always over Nebula. You know, they always had that um, storyline, so that just kind of pushes Gamora to the the finals, and I f- I feel like Black Widow would win. Over the wasp, just because she's more seasoned, she's uh she was an assassin, felt like the wasp, it, although she's really talented, and obviously it shows during the uh the ant man uh montage where he, she's training him. Um, I feel like I feel like Black Widow can do the same stuff, but even take it to another level. So that basically leaves Black Widow versus Gamora. And I feel like this would be really, really close, but here's why I would select Black Widow over Gamora. Um, I feel like they're both good with weapons, but I think just in straight-up hand-to-hand combat, I feel like Black Widow has showed a lot more uh, than Gamora has over you know their, I guess, appearances within the MCU. Dude,
1: I, I would have to agree with you, especially with, you know, I, I did do it in that bracket style too, because the Wasp, I think, would even beat Nebula, I think, with her powers too uh, mm-hmm. and her skill set. But, I like, this is hand-to-hand, so I think it would, yeah, like you said, it would go between Black Widow or Gamora. And if Gamora had her, like, swords or something, uh, I think she could win. Because, you know, she's daughter of Thanos and all that stuff. But since this is hand-to-hand and, like, the more, like, we've definitely seen more hand-to-hand with uh, Black Widow. Because she can, like, fight, like, multiple people just with her bare hands. Uh, and so I think I would agree with you that Black Widow would win against Gamora. I think Gamora uh, is is skilled, I think, especially because of her training with mm-hmm. Thanos. But I think Black Widow, I think, would probably beat Gamora.
0: Yeah. Plus, um, I mean, in, in, they kind of featured it in, especially in Infinity War, I feel like. I felt like Black Widow held her own against uh, the children of Thanos. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And she she was doing really well in that what that subway fight or whatever when they revealed uh, her and Cap and um, Falcon and every and all those guys.
1: Yeah, and I think doesn't she fight? I forgot her name, Proxima Midnight or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like it would be close. That's a close match, but ultimately Black Widow would win. I think. Uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about was the best stan lee cameo out of all three movies ken which was the best stan lee cameo for you
0: well i almost give it to his cameo in age of ultron because obviously he gets drunk and gives his uh signature one line uh signature line excelsior but the more i thought about it i was like oh man i gotta i gotta give it to the one in Ant man just because They snuck him in at the very end on Luis's last story. And anything with Luis's stories automatically gets that bump up. And um, just for him to get that uh, bartender cameo at the end and then, you know, with Luis, you know, mouthing his words or whatever, I just thought it was so hilarious. Because
1: anything with Luis's stories, I'm all in. Yeah, I have the same thing. That was definitely my favorite also. One, because like... The one Age of Ultron is really good, right? And it is longer. I think that's might be, like, its advantage. But I think I like those cameos where it's, like, blink and you'll miss type of cameos. Yeah. And just the fact that, yeah, he's also in Luis's storyline or storytelling uh, just makes it that much better. And because it's, like... Just a blink and you'll miss, and and it being, I think was he at the club? Yeah, he was the. I think he was the bartender. He was the bartender. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it makes it really funny. I almost got it mixed up with the, the Deadpool cameo. <laughs> Whoops. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we different.
0: should probably cover Deadpool at some point because yeah. I feel like those are good, especially the first one.
1: Uh oh, how about best non-Stanley cameo?
0: Okay, um, I'm going to actually give you a really obscure one. <laughs> so, my winner for, uh, well, I've, we're not giving out awards, but uh, my favorite best non Stanley cameo is actually also with an Ant Man. And do you remember the uh, gift that uh, Scott gives his daughter Cassie, that really ugly rabbit? Mm-hmm. Well, on IMDb, it's. Basically credited as hideous rabbit and the voice of hideous rabbit is none other than Tom Kenny. And he is best known for being <laughs> the voice of SpongeBob SquarePants. It's so I just thought that'd be a pretty fun best non Stan Lee cameo.
1: Oh, shoot. I didn't know that. That's a good one, though. <laughs>
0: yeah i uh you know when i was uh when we we're obviously doing our best non-stanley guy i was just literally looking through imdb and i was just like oh shoot i recognize that name and then i went back to the scene and i replayed and i was like oh yeah that is spongebob's voice
1: mm-hmm. dude that's good catch i didn't i wouldn't have guessed to uh pick one of the voices in ant-man <laughs> yeah, I especially know, exactly. that rabbit <laughs> Uh, For me, it was actually in Guardians of the Galaxy. It's also another voice role, voice cameo. Uh, It's Nathan Fillion uh, who plays, he's in a bunch of like Joss Whedon or uh, Joss Whedon stuff, has his own shows and all that stuff. But uh, he voices one of the aliens when, you know, Peter Quill and the whole Guardians are kind of going into the prison. Mm -hmm. And that one monster goes up to him trying to be all intimidating. Oh, the but, blue guy. Yeah, the blue guy. And then, you know, Groot just sticks, like, his fingers up his nose and all that stuff. That's who he voiced.
0: Oh, interesting. I, di- I didn't know who that actor was.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was a pretty obscure one. Hard, Very hard to to pinpoint on that one.
0: You know what? I actually did have an honorable mention, since we're talking about best non-Stan Lee cameos, um, only because he's, like, an old timer in terms of like uh, Marvel as a property I love the post credit scene in Guardians and Howard the Duck makes that appearance (laughs) (laughs) yeah I
1: gotta give that honorable mention uh, for him uh, do you know who voices him I think it was um Seth Green it is uh hold on on it right now it's Seth Green. You are correct. Oh, all right. Yeah, that was definitely very obscure character that they added <laughs> in that post credit scene for
0: sure. I know, and he's made uh, a couple of other cameos uh, in one, one in Volume Two, and another one in Endgame.
1: Yeah, that w- that Endgame one, I still don't think I've seen him. Like I've uh I'm. I know I've seen like the clip on YouTube because it's yeah. super like slowed down and all that stuff. But it's hard to like point them out when you're actually like watching the movie in real time. Yeah, you're not going to catch it if you're
0: going to be watching it in real time. I've, I know where exactly where it is. And each time I watch it in real time, I still miss it every time. Dang, it's pretty crazy how people can just
1: find some of that stuff. Yeah, super Easter egg. <laughs> Uh, so I actually want to ask the audience a question, you know, going uh, before we go into our break, and it's which MCU movie was the most disappointing? Uh, Ken, do you actually have a most disappointing MCU movie? Um, I do. Um, I'm, well, I I guess
0: we'll we'll figure that out with the poll. But if I had to give you one right now, I would have to say Iron Man Two.
1: Hmm. Yeah, Iron Man Two is definitely not the, especially following up from the first Iron Man. That mm. was a big letdown for sure. I think for me, one of the most disappointing MCU movies. I think I I alluded to it before is Guardians Volume Two. Mm. Uh, yeah, just because of how good the first Guardians is, go very high expectations going into the second one. Yeah, that
0: actually, that's a very close like second. That's like 1 and 1A one for me. Um, it would be between those two for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, if you want to answer our audience question, uh, you can check us out on Twitter. You can tweet us on the, the Twitters at at Weekly Real, uh, and you can email us your feedback. So, uh, Ken, what's our email again? Our email address is weeklyrealpod at gmail.com. All right, so get on that, participate, and we'll you know we'll mention you if you want uh, in our next episode. So Ken, uh, let's take a quick break. All right, welcome back. So at the beginning of the episode, we talked about some of the best moments of the three MCU movies that we're talking about. Uh, how about we talk about some worst moments of these movies? Uh, let's start off with guardians of the galaxy. So Ken, what's some of the worst moments in guardians of the galaxy?
0: All right. Uh, full disclaimer. I had a hard time trying to figure out a worst, of uh, the worst moment for guardians of the galaxy. So really my worst moment's is not really a worst moment, but more of a, uh, more of a nitpick. And so if I had to actually mention one, because it is a podcast, I will have to say Ronan's monologue at the very end. I just felt like uh, his dialogue was very just typical villain like dialogue. It was just kind of vanilla. It was like, eh, it could have been better written, I guess. Um, and then his uh, reactions to Peter dancing could have been better too. I know it, it was kind of funny or whatever, but they built them up to be such a badass for like the majority of the movie and i felt like if he was such a badass i just felt like they could have kept that more consistent and ha- have him you know have better reactions to peter like dancing you know and having his footloose moment and so um yeah i just felt like it took the badassery away from his uh i guess from his character
1: yeah i think that was one of the things i wanted to mention too like he was a pretty like powerful villain just taking on all the guardians, especially he had like the power stone and all that stuff. And mm. for him to just get disarmed from Peter Quill dancing. So like, would he really get that distracted? <laughs> like while Drax and rocket are freaking like making that rocket on the side, would he get that distracted by Peter's dancing?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I felt like he kind of took away from his character because I don't know about you, but uh, again, we were talking about wrestling earlier. I felt like the way they portrayed Ronan gave me some Undertaker vibes. (laughs) Just because he has like that long head head (laughs) dress thing. Exactly. Then kind of the way he kind of talks a little bit with some of his uh, dialogue. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I I felt like the the end kind of it could have been done a little bit better, but uh, I guess they went the comedic route and I could see that
1: so that's why it was more of a nitpick that's true uh one of the things besides ronin's little weird characterization there at the end i wanted to mention i guess this isn't too big of a nitpick but it's like the they leave the power stone on xandar right and we never get to see how thanos got it (laughs) he just (laughs) has it at the beginning of infinity war it's no like, oh, Xandar's has right. <laughs> I know.
0: <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, I felt like they could have devoted like maybe a cold open to that instead of the cold open for, I guess, the destruction of the uh, – what was the sh- ship's name again in Infinity War in the beginning? Ooh. I forgot. You know what I'm talking about, though. Yeah. The, the ship at the end of uh, Ragnarok and obviously the beginning of, of yeah. Infinity War.
1: Yeah, Thor's ship.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll we'll get to that when we talk about infinity more. Yeah, for sure. Uh, how about Avengers: Age of Ultron? Did you have some things that you didn't like about that movie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. This one, I guess, was
0: a little bit easier, but um, I, you know, I was trying to figure out which particular one that I wanted to mention. And I guess the one that I settled on was uh, I didn't like how they kept forcing Brutasha on us. And uh, for those of you who are trying to figure out what i'm talking about with bru tasha that's basically bruce banner and natasha romanoff um i i actually did like some of the stuff earlier on um, especially the hey big guy the sun's getting real low <laughs> i just thought especially that especially when they was, referenced that in uh, yeah, it, <laughs> ragnarok <laughs> yeah it was so hilarious i just thought it was you know it was pretty cool it was it was new and then i really liked the implied romance you know like that flirting during the party scene i just thought that that was really good because it was more implied, you know, sort of like the whole um, you know, like when Han Solo and Leia were kind of like kind of doing this whole implied romance or flirting in Empire Strikes Back. I got those vibes. But as the movie kept uh I guess as the movie kept going, they just kept pushing it and they kept forcing it on us. And and obviously knowing what we know now, especially you know, watching Infinity War and Endgame, it ultimately led to absolutely no payoff. So I felt like they wasted a lot of Age of Ultron on that, and especially given
1: where we find out where they ended up. Hmm. Yeah. So I I definitely want to talk about that more because I have that as my worst moment or worst thing in Age of Ultron. But I do want to mention really quick, like Ultron. He was a bit underwhelming for all the hype, especially in the trailers when he was like, There are no strings on me. I'm like, Oh, shoot, here we go. Ultron. And then he just ends up, I didn't expect him to be like this almost like witty villain, Tony Stark esque. I get why they did it or where it comes from, but it just doesn't, it didn't work for me.
0: I agree. And then it got repetitive. I think we talked about it at the beginning of the, the episode where like him, you know, obviously uh, him controlling the random sentries. I just felt like uh, it just got really repetitive in terms of it just became just henchmen, you know, and uh, once in a while, we'll, they'll throw, you know, his, uh, his voice
1: in there. Uh, what was his name again? Um, James. Is it James Spader? James Spader. Yeah. Yeah. Because that was he—he ha, he did have a really good voice for Ultron, but uh, something about like just the way they utilized Ultron was a bit underwhelming. Ultimately, right, and the writing just wasn't that good
0: <laughs> for mm-hmm. at least for uh, for Ultron himself.
1: Yeah, but to double down on Black Widow and Hulk romance just from the beginning when I saw I the <laughs> the whole sun's getting real low thing is funny in Ragnarok. But when I saw that in theaters, I'm like, are we are we doing this? <laughs> I'm like, are we doing this right now? And then, like you said, they keep pushing it down our throats uh the for the rest of the movie. And for me, I guess I, I guess I do have some bias going into Age of Ultron because uh there is some precedent, you know, for for a Hawkeye and Black Widow relationship and or a Captain America and black widow relationship though. And even in the comics, she either ends up with those two guys or even winter soldier. Mm. And ne- Hulk has never been one of those guys. And so when that happened, I'm like, Oh, that's, that's a little odd. And the, I, I didn't really feel like I didn't, I didn't personally for me, I didn't feel the chemistry. Uh, so that, and just the fact that uh, Hawkeye had a family, it, it gave him more character, but at the same time, I'm like, dang, like uh they really put those chances of him and Natasha down the drain mm-hmm. uh especially I think she has I think in like in the beginning, it might have been the first Avengers, she has a arrow necklace, so I thought they were really hinting at that relationship later on um but yeah, I didn't like the whole Hulk thing because and like you said, there was no payoff later. Yeah,
0: I felt like I felt like they just wasted our time, and it was probably a good fifteen twenty minutes of screen time for sure.
1: Yeah, and oh, I just really quick because I know there's going to be a Hawkeye TV show, and now that he has like a family, I don't know how they're going to deal with that, <laughs> like his family and stuff. I know that uh, one of my favorite storylines with Hawkeye, um, for people who read the comics, the Matt Fraction series he's just like a loner in there off all by himself. So I don't know with this whole family thing. I don't know. I'm going to, what's going to happen there. Maybe he's going to get his family killed off again, (laughs) (laughs) man. They went from dusted to getting killed off again. If that happens, I, yeah, I doubt it though. Somehow he's going to, I don't know about that TV show, but I'm excited. Uh, How about Ant-Man? Did you have any worse things about Ant-Man? Well, the only reason why I didn't mention Ultron
0: as like the worst thing <laughs> from thing was because I wanted to reserve the the villain uh, for Ant-Man. I, I just re- didn't really like uh, Darren Cross. Um, he definitely could have been a better villain. Um, I, I felt like he had the look uh, because it kind of reminded me of Michael Rosenbaum's Lex Luthor from, uh, from Smallville. He kind of reminded me of him. But that's it. Just the appearances. Because... I mean, if you think about it, he could have used some of the pointers that Lex Luthor had with his whole dynamic with his father Lionel Luthor, because you know that whole approval thing, and he could have you know kind of used that whole dynamic with Hank Pym, since obviously they they portrayed it as him uh, Hank being you know his mentor or whatever. But man, I just felt like it was a very underwhelming villain.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, he definitely had potential though. Cause the, the, the foundation was there, right? Like he was mm-hmm. that, that I guess wronged the son to his father and all that stuff. And they had like a little bit of that, but they also wrote him in a way that he was just like this stereotypical, I'm going to make money off of this <laughs> to spite my father. <laughs> yeah. Type of thing.
0: I felt like, yeah, they had the groundwork there, but they didn't get the motivations right, you know. And and they, did, I, I felt like he could have been more diabolical. I felt like they could have developed his character a little bit more, give him, you know, just make him a little bit more nuanced. But sadly, he wasn't.
1: Yeah, because he could have been a more tragic character than just uh, mustache twirling. <laughs> <laughs> uh man. Yeah, definitely a missed opportunity on that. That's the same thing for me, man. Darren Cross, he just he had the potential but he just came off as a stereotypical villain. Uh so how about because all these movies are pretty funny. They had all their funny moments, especially Ant-Man and I guess Guardians 2 is also really funny. So what was your uh best scene or best comedic scene in Guardians?
0: Well, Guardians, oh, I had a hard time narrowing it down just because there's so many moments, especially from Drax. All of his one-liners, I felt like it could have been easily something that I would mention, but I ultimately went a different route. I went with Rocket needing the prosthetic leg. <laughs> and so, uh, And the reason why I did that was because he says it with a straight face in the beginning. He was like, Oh, I'm gonna need these two things and I'll need that guy's leg or whatever. And you know, the first time you're watching it, you don't really know Rocket's sense of humor just yet. You know, he's just very outspoken, but that's pretty much it. But it's so funny because remember that one scene when Peter's asking the one-legged guy, um, and, and he asks off-screen, but then the guy goes, you need my what? <laughs> I just thought it was hilarious. Yeah. And then freaking Peter just obviously drops the uh, the leg right in front of Rocket. Rocket's like, oh, I was just kidding about the leg. I just need these two things. <laughs>
1: He's like, what? I paid 30,000 30, units. units. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, that was definitely my favorite. Uh, I was just cracking up the whole time because I don't know. I, I'm a sucker for things that are kind of irreverent some stuff that is not necessarily like PC and a, this is definitely not PC for sure.
1: Mhm. Mine definitely comes from the same scene and it's the the Drax joke when he's like uh or when Rocket's like metaphors fly over his head and then <laughs> Drax is like it's like uh, like I wouldn't what did he say again? messing up this quote right now
0: (laughs) well he ends up talking about nothing goes over uh, my head i'm too fast or whatever (laughs) like
1: yeah he's like nothing goes over my head my uh, like my reflexes reflexes are too fast yeah Yeah. (laughs) i would catch it (laughs) i was was dying
0: and then gamora at the end was like i'm I'm gonna die surrounded by idiots or whatever (laughs) whatever her line was (laughs) I
1: felt like that was a very dumb and dumber joke. <laughs> Maybe that's why I liked it so much.
0: Yeah, I mean, the other one that I was thinking of, too, uh, when I was, you know, supposedly trying to figure this out, the one with the uh, the neck across the, the throat. <laughs> oh, my God, that was so funny.
1: Why would I run my finger across his throat? It's like, no, uh, it's like everyone understands it, right? It's like, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> the other guy is all scared of Drax.
0: Oh, so good.
1: Uh, how about in Avengers: Age of Ultron? Did you have a favorite comedic moment there? Definitely. You know what? Ultron's actually low key pretty funny. Um, in t- like
0: the in terms of like a lot of the one liners, and we you know we were you know we're trying to give uh we were talking about giving Clint Barton some love, and this is actually what I was alluding to. I felt like you know you were talking about the whole dynamic between him and Pietro Maximoff. That whole thing after Clint gives that motivational speech to Wanda, and then Wanda Wanda comes out firing or whatever, and it's like, oh dang, you know, everyone's getting hyped and stuff, right? And then Pietro basically speeds there, picks up his sister, and then and then he says to uh to, to Clint, keep up, old man. And then Clint just basically talking to himself, and he's got his like bow and arrow cocked and everything. He's like, nobody would know nobody
1: and then i was like
0: wait nobody would know i mean you're the only guy that's using a bow and arrow they would
1: totally know i didn't think about that but yeah yeah you're right it's like oh yeah it's like uh i don't know there's another archer that shot Pietro in the back of the head i don't
0: know i was hella cracking up when he said that. i had to repeat it a couple times and i was just dying oh man i just spent because that scene's not even too long. It's like maybe a minute long. I, I ended up spending like uh, 10 minutes on that scene just repeating that because I was cracking up at my own joke. Nobody would know. Nobody.
1: <laughs> yeah, just the way, just the way uh, freaking Hawkeye was saying that too. <laughs>
0: that was perfect. Oh, oh my goodness, so good. Uh, how about you with uh,
1: Age of Ultron? Uh, mine would have to be in the Avengers Tower party. And uh, it has to be when Rhodey telling some war machine stories where he's (laughs) like then i pick up the tank and drop it boom you looking for this (laughs) and then he gets like like, why do i even talk to you guys (laughs) i know yeah Uh,
0: what was it Uh, both tony and uh thor thor yeah
1: oh is that the whole story (laughs) oh it's a good story then (laughs) (laughs) thor and what makes it even funnier is later on they cut back to rody in uh telling the same story to a different group of people and it's like boom you're looking for this and then they all start laughing ah! and then you can see in his face he's like vindicated <laughs> yeah he's like yeah he was like giving himself the nod he felt really proud of himself yeah he's like finally someone gets me <laughs> <laughs> i think that was my favorite funny moment in there uh but ant-man has a ton do you have a favorite in Ant-Man?
0: I really just wanted to give it to Luis, but I mean, I felt like I gave him a lot of love and best moments. And so I went a different route for best comedic, uh, I guess, uh moment for Ant-Man. And so my, uh, the one that I liked the, bu- the best is Scott's first encounter with Sam because Scott's basically like, he's really, he's already like tiny or whatever. And he's basically talking to Hank and Hope. And he's saying, it's okay. He can't see me. Sam straight face goes, I can see you. (laughs) And he's all, and Scott's like talking to, uh, still talking to Hope and and Hank. He's like, oh, he can see me. And then all of a sudden in a very Paul uh, Rudd-esque way, he goes, hi, (laughs) I'm Scott. (laughs) And then Hope goes, (laughs) did he just say, hi, I'm
1: Scott? (laughs) I was cracking up. That was a good one for sure. Very Paul Rudd ask right there.
0: Yeah, man, it was so good Uh, just because it's so, um, they, and and obviously my favorite, um, Scott Lang line is actually in the next movie, but we'll, we'll get to that later. And, uh, in in the next MCU episode, but yeah, I actually quote Scott Lang. Uh, I've done it like multiple times in, in regular conversations. We'll get to that
1: in the next episode. Sweet. Uh, for me, it would have to be when Hank and Hope are like having their really nice touching conversation oh, yeah. talking about, you know, what happened to Hope's mom. And then frickin Scott just it's like, oh, it's like you guys are really uh, repairing the relationship and all that stuff. So he just like totally ruins the moment and like, even I acknowledges that
0: oh i think i just ruined the moment didn't i <laughs>
1: yeah he's like yeah you did and it's like all right i'm gonna go make something and just the way he like he has his hand movements He's like <laughs> just the way he like i'm doing finger pointing by the way i'm doing the ant-man finger pointing in the right now on our video but <laughs> uh yeah i, I just cracked that because it's just a very you know it's a very likable scene and just very Scott to ruin the moment. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they totally just improv that, or he just
0: totally improv that, and they just kept it in um, basically in the final cut.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I I want to know which what was improv in that movie. Oh, I Ooh, know. I wonder if, how many dirty jokes are in uh, Guardians.
0: <laughs> oh, dude, <laughs> that was actually one of the ones I almost mentioned. Uh, Peters uh, talking about like the Jackson Pollock. I was like, oh man, he totally went there on a Disney film.
1: Yeah, I know. It's like, if I had a black light, this place (laughs) would look like a Jackson Pollock painting. (laughs) And then Rocket with, you have issues, Quill. Which is funny because, uh, Rocket knows who Jackson Pollock is and, you know, some of the paintings. Right. Exactly. He's very cultured as a raccoon or, uh,
0: or a trash panda. (laughs) Or rabbit. (laughs) Yes. Rabbit.
1: All right. But, the next topic, I think this is a fun one. If you can cast the Guardians of the Galaxy with different actors, who would they be? Oh, man. Yeah, the, you know what? This one was definitely a fun
0: one. I actually had a hard time and I felt like the the one Well, once I figured out who I wanted to cast for Peter Quill, I think everything else fell into place. So that being said, uh, the person that I would cast as Peter would be John Krasinski um, I think he actually, I read that he actually went out for the uh, the part. So I definitely think he would do, be a, a, a good Peter Quill. And since I'm casting John Krasinski as Peter Quill, it's only right that I cast Emily Blunt as Gamora, just because they have a natural chemistry uh, for whatever reason. I don't know which reason. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but to counter, uh, to round out the Guardians of the Galaxy cast, for Drax the Destroyer, I mean, I'm kind of cheating on this one because you know, obviously Dave Bautista is such a good Drax. I'm casting The Rock um, mm. as Drax. And then with Rocket, I just thought it would be pretty funny if we got Will Ferrell as the voice of Rocket. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, with Groot, uh, even though Vin Diesel did an amazing job, I'm going to, I alluded to, this guy a little bit earlier in the episode actually at the top, the all-state guy, the real all-state guy, not Dave Chappelle oh. <laughs> but Dennis H- Hayesbert I actually have to look him up. Dennis Hayesworth Hayesbert felt like he has I feel like he has a good voice to be mm-hmm. well he only has to say really three words.
1: I am root. Yeah, he just has to say it a bunch of times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and he's got that really deep rich voice. Ooh, those are all good castings. Oh, man, I didn't think of John Krasinski. Now I feel kind of dumb. Uh <laughs> but for me with Star Lord, because I've been mentioning Supernatural on the on our episode podcast, like how many times already? I'm gonna cast Star Lord, Jensen ackles Well, didn't one... he Oh sorry. Didn't he um he actually went out for the part, actually? I think I read. Oh, he did. Yeah, because <laughs> he definitely plays a very Han Solo esque character in Supernatural. Oh, he does. I didn't know yeah.
0: that. I thought he's, he would have been more serious.
1: Yeah, he's definitely like he definitely can bring some comedic, uh, like moments in that movie. Maybe not like Chris Pratt, but I feel like yeah, he has that Han Solo quality to him also. Uh, for Gamora, I would cast Ana de Armas. Do you remember her from um what's that latest movie that she was in? Uh the mystery movie. Shoot. It's totally off the top of my head. It's like Clue. Oh, you're talking about the one uh Knives Out? Knives Out, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's the main really good. Girl. And she, you know, she's gonna be in the next Bond movie. So I was like, okay, I can see her as like this green alien. <laughs> That's uh, a good one. I because I really
0: liked her in Knives Out.
1: Yeah, so I was like, okay, she can give, like, she can play an alien. Cause I like freaking, what's her name? I'm totally blanking. Uh, Who plays Gamora?
0: Oh, shoot. I'm also, oh, Zoe Zaldana.
1: Yeah, you know, she plays another alien in Avatar. So she got to play a blue alien and green alien.
0: (laughs) That's our color scheme, by the way, for the weekly real podcast. So I guess Gamora should, is kind of like, kind of like our mascot a little bit.
1: Uh for Rocket, you might like this one. I'm gonna cast Michael Rosenbaum. You mentioned him. Oh Michael Rosenbaum, like who played Lex Luthor. Cause I know he has some acting uh voice acting ability. Uh he played the Flash in the Justice League cartoon. That'd be a good one because uh I felt like
0: Rocket needs to have like kind of like a that distinct voice, especially when he's like like either kind of crude or angry or whatever. And I feel like Michael Rosenbaum would be a really good um rocket that's a good one
1: yeah which is funny because i think he he makes a little bit of a cameo in guardians vol- volume two i'll point him out later oh i don't even know about that one yeah when we get to that episode uh for drax since you picked the rock i have to go with john cena <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah you know, just uh give some other wrestlers some love i guess you know it's funny uh he was the first guy that i originally thought of actually but i was like mm, you know who'd be better the rock <laughs> yeah <laughs> i thought you know the rock is i don't know if you would want to be in this whole team-up movie but yeah <laughs> uh for groot i know you're gonna like this for sure you're not gonna know who it is at first but uh I would choose Keith David. Oh, I know Keith David. <laughs> <laughs> and you know who where he's from. He dude. plays the, he voices the Arbiter in the Halo game series. And yes. that voice, man. Ooh. Just as Groot. That is like, going to be a good one. He's like, Star Lord, help me. <laughs> yes, Keith I am Groot. He's got that
0: really deep voice, too. Oh, dude. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but yeah, yours is really good too. I like our cast. <laughs> now let's uh talk about our favorite segment or our favorite game here on the Weekly Reel Podcast, the Guess the Rotten Tomato Score. I am winning right now for now uh 12 to 9. So if Ken sweeps me in these 3 uh, in these 3 movies, he'll be all tied up
0: yeah but if you
1: sweep me i think it's the competition's over <laughs> <laughs> yeah this season might be over because because we wanted to reset at the end of the season right yeah that's
0: correct so um yeah i can't give you too many um the rest of the, the way i mean there's only so many episodes left so
1: all right Make or so break you, yeah for <laughs> sure do you want to guess guardians of the galaxy
0: Yes, um, so my guess for Guardians of the Galaxy is ninety-three.
1: Ooh, I guessed ninety percent.
0: Okay.
1: All right, hang on. All right, so let me look it up real quick. Guardians. I totally misspelled Guardians of the Galaxy, but it's okay. Oh, Man, okay, here we go. Guardians of the Galaxy, ninety-one percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> so I got the point there. You know what's crazy though? The the audience score is ninety-two percent. Don't you would have gotten the audience. <laughs> <laughs> just one point difference, man. Yeah. All right, but, but I, I got see. that one. Thirteen to nine now. Yeah, and I just wanted to reiterate to the audience: we we make sure that we form our guesses beforehand, so we're not like cheating or anything. Right. (laughs) Obviously, I should be cheating. (laughs) I'm just kidding. kidding. All right. So, what's your Age of Ultron guess?
0: Uh, I feel like even though I would probably give it a lower score, I still think because, um, generally speaking, MCU movies do really well especially these team-up movies, I'm giving, uh, well, my guess for Ultron um, on Rotten Tomatoes is 85.
1: Ooh, I guess 84. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) So we're... Uh, uh, Avengers. Whoops, I can't spell again. Age of Ultron is... What the heck? 76%. 76%. <laughs> oh, are you kidding me? I'm telling you. <laughs> Audience score, 83%. I, well, you it's got actually lower than, than I expected. That is very, yeah. I thought they would have gone high on that, obviously. Yeah, because um, when you took the high of 85 and I was 84, I'm like, oh, man, I lost. I thought it was going to be like 80, 88 or something. Yeah,
0: I probably would have it, given it somewhere in the 70s, though.
1: Hmm.
0: If we were were giving um, our I love you 3000 award.
1: Yeah, but we'll definitely rank the movies pretty soon. Uh, How about Ant-Man? Okay, well, I definitely
0: need this because it's already 14 to 9. I feel like I need to at least salvage one. Uh, Ant-Man, I'm giving 86. Ooh, I guess
1: 79. Okay. Let's see. Ant-Man. Wait. You guess 86, I guess 79. It's a 83%. So is that closer to you?
0: That is, because I'm off by three, and you're off by four.
1: (laughs) That was a close one, man. Oh, my God.
0: That's too close.
1: Yeah, (laughs) 83%. The audience score, though, you got bang on the money. You got 86 right there. I'm telling you, man. (laughs) (laughs) All right, though. Okay, so hey, i it, it, But it's not the audience score, though. It's that tomato yeah. meter. The tomato meter, unfortunately, for Ken. Or else I think he would be winning, <laughs> like, for sure. So now I'm up 14-10. 14-10. But if it was based on the audience yeah. score, man. Yeah.
0: yeah, 14-10. I need a touchdown.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no field goals for the rest of the season.
0: I know, I know
1: all right so Ken do you want to start ranking some of the MCU films from worst to first
0: yes um you know what we're gonna try to do this in uh, kind of segments because you know we're basically at the point where we're now ranking 12 films and I feel like I don't know I, I have short-term memory loss so let's just, let's do this in kind of segments so my bottom four um, starting with 12 is Thor Thor to dark world. Uh, eleven, the Incredible Hulk, ten, uh, Iron Man two, and nine, Thor, and so basically with my bottom four, it's still kind of like the leftovers from uh the previous episodes, mainly from um was it Phase One?
1: Wow, mine's uh mine's a little bit different from yours, actually, totally different from yours. Uh, at the bottom for me is the Incredible Hulk, right? Then Thor. Thor The Dark World, and then Iron Man 2. Okay.
0: Yeah, I think that's left over from uh, our previous episode. I think that's what I wrote down as well from you.
1: Because mm-hmm. I don't think any of these three new movies are in that bottom bin. Right, exactly. Yeah, what about your next segment of movies? Well,
0: and that's actually where a, a lot of these I guess newer movies, you know, the ones that we just covered, uh, will actually fall in. So, at 8 i have avengers age of ultron in kind of a mild uh upset i have ant-man above that at seven then captain america the first avenger at six and iron man three at five and so yeah i guess my toughest decision was where to rank ant-man and and uh avengers age of ultron and i kind of went back and forth um Flip flopping seven and eight, but I ultimately settled on me enjoying Ant Man more on a purer level, uh, even mm-hmm. though I
1: cared more about the Avengers characters as a whole. I see. Okay for for me, my number eight would be the wait. No, no, that's wrong. I read that wrong. <laughs> my number eight, <laughs> my number eight would be Iron Man three. Uh, then it would go Avengers: Age of Ultron ant-man and then the avengers 2012 ah okay so you did have ant-man above avengers also Mm -hmm.
0: all right cool all right so my top four now uh starting with number four i have the avengers at four number three i have guardians of the galaxy two iron man
1: the first one and uh still at the top captain america the winter soldier Nice. I guess this is where we're still the most similar because uh, my number four, though, is Captain America, the first, first Avenger. Avenger. Yeah. And then Guardians of the Galaxy, Iron Man, then Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Okay.
0: So a lot of the differences are mainly in the middle at the end at the
1: bottom. Mm-hmm. Dang, that's pretty crazy. I didn't know our list would be di- this different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, that's why we're doing this podcast because we have differing views. Yeah. it's going to get more crazy as we add like the other, like 15 more movies or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, with phase three, all of phase three, that's where it's going to get really difficult. Um, mm-hmm. Because I mean, I think the next three films are going to be, uh, Captain America, um, Civil War, Doctor Strange, and I want to say Guardians of the Galaxy
1: Volume 2. Oh, okay. So we got some good and we got some bad. <laughs> so, uh, Ken, what are we going to be talking about next week on the Weekly Real Podcast? All right. Well, next week, Episode 17,
0: we are jumping back into the Christopher Nolan universe as we do a deep dive in the 2006 film, the Prestige, starring Hugh Jackman, Christian Bale, and Scarlett Johansson. Amazingly, even though we, uh, me and Jeremy, are both huge fans of Christopher Nolan, somehow we both have not seen this film yet.
1: So are you excited? Dude, I, like it's weird, right? Like we're, we watch all these Christopher Nolan movies and we still haven't seen The Prestige. And I heard The Prestige is like a really good movie uh yeah i'm so surprised that we haven't seen it (laughs) yeah unfortunately i think i was spoiled i'm pretty sure i was spoiled uh hopefully it's not it doesn't change the story too much when i watch it oh okay well i have not
0: really heard too much about it so um i'm gonna try to go in with no expectations that way
1: christopher nolan can blow my mind like he normally does dude i'm totally looking forward to it uh, but yeah, so make sure that you follow us on Spotify or on, uh, subscribe to us on Apple podcasts, any of the, your favorite podcasting stuff, make sure you're up to date on all that, uh, and on our, our Twitter at weekly real. So, uh, so if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at JP underscore flicks, or if you want to subscribe to my YouTube channel, I'm still putting up. Movie reviews on there. Search me on Jeremy Pullen Barrett on YouTube, obviously. How about you, Ken? Anything you want to uh, plug it or anything new go- happening with you? Well, not necessarily with me, but yeah, I just wanted to just kind of reiterate what Jeremy
0: just said. Uh, he just. I literally just watched a uh, one of his reviews actually earlier today, and uh, he's putting out regular content. And so we'll have his uh, link in the description in the episode notes. So definitely subscribe to his channel. Uh, but for me, I'm mainly just uh, active on social media on Twitter and Instagram at free A, and uh, the spelling will be also
1: in the episode notes. Oh man. All right. it was a really Crazy episode today, talking about another three bunch of movies, MCU man, it's pretty crazy. And these were kind of you got some good, really good movies with Guardians, and I guess you know fairly entertaining movies with Age of Ultron and Ant Man. I was actually pretty surprised to I enjoyed Age, Age of Ultron more than I did.
0: Yeah, I think um like you said, well, like we mentioned earlier, actually, you know, with having Infinity War and uh end game um just kind of like having the payoff with all the breadcrumb uh breadcrumbs that uh, age of ultron left uh i thought it made well it made me appreciate it uh more than uh when i originally did my infinity when i was rewatching it for infinity war i i didn't really appreciate uh age of ultron back then so really glad
1: that we did this latest rewatch so yeah that was our part 4 of our mcu I guess, rewatch, uh, I think we'll probably get back to part five next season on the on our podcast, right, Ken? Yeah, yeah, it, uh, just stay tuned. Uh, so in the, you know, before we get to part five,
0: whenever that is, definitely re-listen or check out the the podcast episodes uh, with part one through four, where we cover the first 12 MCU Infinity Saga rewatches.
1: Yep, so that's the end of phase two. Now on to phase three. Uh, all right, Ken, I had a fun time talking about the MCU. It's always a good time talking about these movies. Uh, but next week, we're talking about The Prestige, directed by Christopher Nolan. So stay tuned for that. We'll see you guys next time on The Real.